Hello, friends, and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. The sun is shining again, but I'm afraid we can't bring you news from Ipswich Town win on Saturday because they didn't win. It was a frustrating nil-nil draw against playoff rivals Pompey. We're obviously going to break that down in some detail now. I'm Mark Heath. I'm joined by three of my fellow Kings. Young Roscoe was in Wales yesterday covering the ladies, and thus he's having a little lie-in. He'll be back later on this week. We're targeting him towards a big Tractor Girls Talk podcast later in the week ahead of that quarterfinal on Sunday. So I've got... The three amigos, starting with the only man you can start with in such circumstances, Mike, the big porker, the grand poor sign, the big pork thing, our very own published author, Mike Bacon. How are you, my aged friend? Mm. Well, thank you very Ooh. much, Pete. Um, <laughs> very, very, a very fine introduction. And thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I've got a lot going on, a lot going on, as usual. Um, I'm having the... Um, the third of my four on suites um, done at the moment, which are with um, my builder's busy on that. My builder, Roger, I must give him a mention, Roger, because he's a big KOA fan. Is and he? um, he's caused a little bit of angst in the family because when he comes around, he talks, we talk a lot of football, uh, much to the wife's annoyance because he charges by the hour and uh, we don't get as much done as we ought to. But um, so, yeah, a lot going on. Um, but uh, yeah, glad to be on, glad to be on the um, soon to be award winning. KOA pod, obviously. Well, we've been we've been nominated multiple times for awards. Yes, I think, I think it's three now national awards. Uh, one day the odds suggest we'll, we'll have to win one eventually. So fingers crossed. Four on sweets, Mike. That's just a bit greedy, isn't it? A little bit, yes. But I mean, to be fair, you know, I do have. Um, you know, I like to go to the loo, and um, you know, I think <laughs> it's, it's your age. It's your age. Well, when you get to my age, you you know, you don't you don't really know what's happening next. So um, I'm, I'm not. And in the middle of the night, sometimes I, I it's best I just wander about. So I'm always likely to wander into a toilet. Rather than, a, <laughs> Excellent. rather than a cupboard or somewhere. Okay. So the kind of law of averages, hopefully yeah. more often than not, you wander into a toilet. Excellent. Lovely. Um, I've never been to Bacon Towers. I look forward to it. Um, just beneath you on this, this video, if you're watching on video, uh, a man who was late to the party, but a man who's been absolutely smashing the weights at the gym, Watto. If your post-match video is anything to, uh, to go by on Saturday, biceps. How are you, Dr. Watson? I'm fine, thank you, mate. I'm not going to try and compete with with a Mike Bacon intro. It's it's futile. I'm okay. here and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. How is the the health going though, Stewie? Because as I say, you, you you're looking How's looking the health going. The health. Well, you you told us years ago, not years ago, months ago, that you were back at the gym, and I just tried to praise you, big you up in that intro there by pointing out the size of your biceps. Um, so clearly, it's going well. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you for noticing. I have been going to the gym. I'm enjoying it. It's very Excellent. good. He's been working out. And then the final wheel this week on the KOA bus for Monday, but in no means the least, Andy Hutch Hogan, the Hutchmeister, Warren. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> got nothing for me, have you? That's, that's all. <laughs> that's, that's, um, let's crack on. I've got nothing for you. I've got no on sweets. I barely go to the gym. Um and let's you, crack on have you got a new football shirt <laughs> you have by the look of it yeah uh no it's not What's new that? you'll never guess what that is unless you can read there's a small word on there that will give it away it's it's white with black everything black like black no, no black pins adidas stripes any that any guess that vodafone no no close some, some obscure european team obviously no south american no Swansea, no. <laughs> Australian, Mike. Uh, no. No idea. Who who is it? Put us out of the misery. It's from South Africa. It's Orlando Pirates. Oh, nice. Of course it is. Ah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Lucas Radaby. Oh, he was the Kaiser Chiefs, actually. He was the he? Kaiser Chiefs. Incorrect. Schoolboy school era from Heath. Right then, let's get on with the game then, boys. There's a lot to talk about from this um, surprisingly eventful nil-nil draw. Uh, let's do it in chronological order. Let's talk about the game and matters arising from after that. So, Andy Warren, we did a boot room before the game on Friday, at which I said, once again, this is a massive game for town. And it was. Um, they really needed to win. They definitely didn't want to lose. They avoided that. What do we make of it? I think Kieran McKenna's said on a number of occasions that draws are really no good for Ipswich. That's how I felt after the game. Um, I thought they were the better team. I thought they looked the more likely to win it. Um, but sadly, sadly, they didn't. It's not completely terminal for, for anything they're trying to do this season. Um, but we've said many, many times just how tough a job it's going to be for them and it and it, again it's got a little bit tougher sadly mm. um lots to like but um the results not the results not what they needed i'll, I'll, I'll be honest i'm gonna come to you Watto, because you wrote in your excellence Stu says piece it's um, online every sunday that this is the first time you've disagreed with something that kieran mckenna has said and that was him saying that they they should have won the game or they've deserved to win the games they've drawn yeah i don't want to come to this pod being a bit too much of a negative Nancy today but I look at the league table and Ipswich are ninth for a reason because they've not beaten anybody above them in the table and that was mm. the case under Paul Cook and it stayed the case under Kieran McKenna I know it seems kind of heresy blasphemy to to question anything that that the Messiah is doing at the moment and I'm all in on Kieran McKenna I need to make that very clear but they've now played MK Dons Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton, and now Portsmouth, and, and not beaten those teams. And and this draw kind of reminded me, if I take you back to November time, the Oxford game, where Oxford were time-wasting and it finished nil-nil and Ipswich had been the better team, but boring, boring Oxford was, was the chant. And there was a little bit of that. Portsmouth, in the last few minutes, kind of saw it out, were happy with the point. And we were kind of looking at a little period around then, I think Paul Cook was saying, They'd gone to Wickham and won. Then they'd narrowly lost at Plymouth in a bit of a ding-dong, could-have-gone-either-way type of game. Then they drew with Oxford. Then they went to Sunderland, dominated the game, lost 2-0. And it was, we we could and should have far more points on the board from that little run of games, but they didn't. Are we in danger of sort of slipping back into, into that with Ipswich dominating games? We, you know, all of the markers are suggesting we should be we should be winning all of these football matches, but they haven't. And that's ultimately why they're in their spiritual League One home of ninth again at, at the moment. And and the, the the standards bar has been risen. They've come on leaps and bounds under McKenna, no doubt about it. I'm really enjoying watching them play. And it's clear that this is a, a team and a club moving in the right direction. But let's not rest on our laurels here. They have not cracked League One by any stretch of the imagination yet. I mm. think uh, signs are that they're going to they're fall short, which, let's be honest, we're I think we felt for a long time that you know it was they'd left themselves a lot of work to do, but let's not suddenly sort of fall into the trap of thinking they've uh, they've cracked it yet because they haven't. Mm. Mr. Bacon, four toilets, Mike Bacon. Um, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I mean, I wrote my column earlier in the week about it's it's in their own hands, and it still is a bit in their own hands, or it was before Saturday. Being in their own hands means you've got to beat these teams. Stu's absolutely right. You've got to beat Portsmouth. You're going to have to beat Rotherham. You're going to have to beat Wigan. You're going to have to beat Plymouth. You know, 
I, I do like the way they play. It's a different, it, it feels, I, I enjoyed Saturday in many ways. The atmosphere was terrific. Portsmouth, as they always do, brilliant fans, make lots of noise. It's a great, I mean, 25,000 for a league one, you, you, that's a championship game all day long. Um, you know, the, the atmosphere was great, but yeah, they fell short. You, you can't dress it up. Um, I was surprised he didn't bring on, bear in mind, he's, he's talking about going for, I'm surprised he didn't bring on another striker with about 10 minutes to go, rather than, I think he bought a Luco on for, for, for Burns. And mm. I wonder if he might have bought Piggott on and just put two up front, because there was times in that last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I was looking in the box and thinking, there's no one in there. You know, there, there's only, sometimes only Bon, even then Bon was pulling wide a bit as well. And I just thought he might put another striker on, rather than, I suppose, he Luca's a striker midfielder. But I, I, I've just wondered. But look, the, the, the football's so much better. But I think, yeah, these are matches you've got to win. There's no, mm. there's no, you know, there's no dressing up. You've got to beat them and you can have all the possession. I think it's had about 70% possession or something um, at home in front of 25,000. You know, that, that that could be, should be good enough. You're going to say something there, Watto? Like you're going to jump in? No, I was just saying on the the, the possession stats of obviously Ipswich have had the most possession in all the games since McKenna's come in and that's great. But there were times under Lambert where they dominated the possession and I'm not comparing the two by any stretch they're looking far more dangerous now they're creating chances with this but let's let's not fall into this trap of sort of are they dominating every game Portsmouth had Ipswich had the bulk of the shots in this game the bulk of the chances but the best one went to Portsmouth when Aidan O'Brien put the ball over the bar from close range in the first half I think they they passed they probed but I don't think they were ever banging the door down. And and this is where we come on to mitigating circumstances. I think there was a few maybe tired legs and tired minds. I think those long trips, successive trips to, to Lancashire to play Morecambe and Fleetwood, to play on some really heavy pitches, had just started to take their toll on Ipswich coming off the back of that, that game in midweek where they went down like flies against Lincoln. Injury struck again and... When Morsi and Jackson went off, they just lost a bit of thrust. They lost a bit of pace. They lost a bit of drive, and um, and uh, yeah, that that's that, that were the mitigate. Those were the mitigating circumstances behind never really banging the door down. I, I didn't think in that second half. Okay, Hutchie, let's 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 start with positives first before we get on to the injuries. So, team selection wise, we knew ahead of the game that there was going to be at least one change because Edmondson has obviously got a badly damaged ankle might be out for the season so Cameron Burgess came in let's talk about him then because I somewhat unfairly was was quite concerned about that I think of Cameron Burgess I think of his last start and I think of him being torn a new one by by league two strikers in that now infamous defeat at Barrow in the FA Cup but he came in and did a really good job didn't he yeah yeah I think the biggest compliment you can give him is that it was largely largely seamless. My concern with Burgess is is not whether he's an all-round good defender because I think from what I've seen I think he is. There's there's mm. one there's one sort of area of his game which has concerned me and that's if you kind of if you get him pushing up and sort of a spike a striker is able to 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 turn him, spin him and get him behind and that's something we've seen time and again with him under under Paul Cook of course because this was his first start under mm. under McKenna time and again he you could see him getting spun and then not able to recover and um and and struggled there. Maybe Kieran McKenna is able to coach that he's not kind of caught in those situations. Maybe Portsmouth were a good um 
good side to play in that in that sense. Maybe Cameron Burgess did a really good job of of not getting himself in those situations. But he he came in he came in and was I don't think there was a downgrade on on Edmondson on the, on this occasion. Um, th- let's be real, Edmondson's going to be a real miss. Of course he is. Mm. Um, but as we said, kind of in the build up to this. Burgess has played a lot of football in this league um, and as one of a back three rather than in a back two um, I think he's I think he's going to be he's going to be fine and he was on this occasion as well he played very well okay um, now let's move on to the to less good stuff then clearly there were a lot of questions before the game about who was going to be fit and we knew that Morsey and, and Burns were going to be late decisions as it turned out Sam Morsey barely lasted 15 minutes um, and we had a chat Andy on on Friday on the boot room about whether it was worth the risk to play Morsey. I must say, mm-hmm. without being an after timer, I was concerned of the concept of playing someone who's just come off with a hamstring injury, then throwing him straight back into another game. Um, and unfortunately, obviously, he's broken down now. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. But but Stu, did you have any concerns around Morsey playing? Was that the right thing to do? Andy said when we spoke about it that there just wasn't enough of a long kind of long game to play. There's not enough games left if you've got fit players, your best players have to play. So where do you stand on the Morsey thing? Um, I don't know if it was the right thing. I I'm not, I didn't know how he trained. I don't know what the medical people thought. They uh, McKenna said afterwards that they didn't think it was a gamble at all. He trained absolutely fine on the Friday, was good to go again. I'm sure there was a bit of a calculated risk there. As Andy says, it was a, a big game. The games are running out. You needed your informed skipper to be available, but what I did feel a bit more strongly about was him trying to play on after the eighth minute. It was it was clear he was done. And I, I don't know if that's just Sam Morsey's determination and pride. I think he's someone, we said this set up in the press books, I think he's someone you need to take that decision out of his hands and, and get mm. him off because he's not going to be one that, that, you know, I think he's one that you have to drag off the pitch. Um, but he played on for another 10 minutes when really he shouldn't have done. He wasn't moving well at all. Um, and Ipswich are lucky that sort of during that ten minute spell that that didn't that didn't cost them in in many ways. But um, that left us with with the Carroll Backinson central midfield. Carroll, we only found out subsequently had had been ill, sick in bed all week, hadn't trained at all. It was only on the Saturday morning that he put his hand up and said, "Yeah, I'll stick me on the bench." And I think Ipswich were thinking, "Well, hopefully we won't need you." And obviously they did fairly early on in the first half. And it took him a while to get up to the speed of the game, but once he did, I thought I thought he played quite well. Tom Carroll, he, he does what Tom Carroll does. He's, he's neat, he's tidy, he recycles the ball. But as as we talked about in the build-up, he's not Sam Morsey stylistically. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give you that that drive and that penetration through through the middle of the pitch. So they definitely lost something when when Sam Morsey went off, and they lost even more, Mike, when when Caden Jackson went down. I'm slightly worried that. We cursed him, or I cursed him, by putting him on the cover of the, the match preview as a zombie. Um, and then he goes and gets, <laughs> he goes and gets injured. Uh, another hamstring injury. This one looks even more severe than, than than Sam Morsey's. I'm always worried with athletes. Hamstring injuries are one of the worst things you, you can get as an athlete because clearly part of being an athlete generally, unless you're a darts player, is uh, you have to run. Um, and once you've damaged a hamstring, it, it then becomes very easy to damage it again. So how much of a blow do you think Jackson going down was? It sounds like he's going to be out for, for some time now. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jackson's Jackson's game is very much pace and, and running and sprinting and hamstrings mm. not going to be good. I mean, 
You see, McKenna's put quite a lot of faith in Jackson, hasn't he? I mean, he's seen much, a lot in him in training. I mean, it's another start for him. He was doing okay, you know, and he, he does offer something that bit different up front for town, doesn't he? He's the man with the pace. I mean, he got injured chasing and chasing and, and creating a, oh, they got, got a corner out of it or whatever, but he got, mm. yeah, he's he does offer something different. Are they going to miss him? Well, they've got enough strikers. They're not going to miss a striker. It's just how they, it's the, it's the way they play with Jackson. Jackson's a different player to, to Piggott and, and the way they want to adapt their game. You can put the ball in behind for Jackson to run onto. You're not going to perhaps get that so much. Um, of course, it's a blow. It's a big blow because because McKenna's trusted him and, as, and, and Ipswich have been doing okay with him. And he's been, you know, he's been getting a few goals again. So, yeah, I mean, everything's been, the, the, the squad's being tested now. But I mean, at the end of the day, Ipswich Town have one of the biggest squads in, in or one of the best, I would say, squads in the division, I I, I maintain. I, and I think most of us, we often looked at the bench and thought, blimey, look at that bench. Well, here we go then. You know, that's what the bench mm. is there for. You've got Bond, you've got Norwood, you know, just sitting there. Um, there you go. You've got Piggott. You, you, it's 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 time for everyone to step up. It's, it's They're big losses. Um but there you go. It's Danny Cowley was very much at pains to stress that in his post-match press conference, pointing out the difference between the two benches. Portsmouth, I think, had three or four teenagers or young players on the bench, one of whom was a 17-year-old. He was telling us couldn't even get in Haven and Waterlooville's squad during a loan spell earlier in the season. And you look across at Ipswich that have got Bourne and Norwood and Piggott and people like that. And it's a fair point for him to make Ipswich which should have the numbers and the, the strength in depth to, to deal with these situations. But the type of player that they're losing are all of a similar type. And I would throw Wes Burns in there, although he hasn't come off in the last, these last two games. Hmm. He looks like someone that's playing with, with a knock. He's taken a few, you know, by his very nature, he takes quite a few kicks. He took took one against Lincoln, which required lengthy treatment. It happened again on on Saturday, and and I thought in those latter stages he he looked like someone who was fatigued or bruised or whatever, but he just didn't have that same sort of forward thrust that we see from Wes Burns. A couple of times he got the ball, you were thinking, knock it out your feet, sprint into space, and he checked back and he played inside. And and when you've got no Jackson's pace, no Morsey driving through the middle, Wes Burns not quite bang at it then the whole dynamic of that Ipswich Town team changes because you, the opposition don't have to worry so much about pacing behind and getting stretched. And then they can sit that little bit deeper and then you can frustrate Salinas and Alucos and people like that don't have the same areas to operate in. And that's where we get into these frustrating finishes where the crowd are chanting boring, boring, whoever, because they're able to set up and, and nullify. Hmm. You mentioned Cowley there. Let's let's talk about one of the other incidents from the game, which has got loads of people talking. It was one of the most read things on our on our website yesterday. Just a few words about the Cowley v Dominic Thompson handbags. Um, so if you've not seen it, there is a video on the website if you want to watch it. Essentially, second half, Thompson's going to to take a quick throw in. Cowley puts his hand up to kind of stop almost, and then to me, it looks like he steps in front of him and, and stops him taking the throw. He's out of his technical area. Thompson goes ballistic. They end up being separated. Cowley says after the game, boys, you were there, um, that Kieran McKenna subsequently apologised to him for Thompson's behaviour and said it was well out of order. What's your take on this, Hutchie? Bit of nonsense, if you ask me. Um, Cowley, Cowley says he was just standing in his box. He was just standing in his box. He did also put his hand up. 
he did also show a little bit of strictly come dancing footwork to kind yeah. of make sure he remained in the line of Dominic Thompson's throwing throw in. He's a Thompson. bit outside of his box as well, he, isn't he? He, he? he he's not he's not quite as innocent, I don't think, as he as he painted it at the end. I think Dominic Thompson did massively overreact, but that's that's a player that's in the heat of battle trying to get a really important win for their team. Then um Ronan Curtis getting involved is kind of what escalated it all and then mm. um Danny Cowley kind of ended up six or seven yards on the pitch, which also makes it look a lot worse than it was because the managers kind of bundled onto the pitch and it all just all just got a little bit silly. They were rightly all um rightly all booked for it because Cowley carried on chirping away afterwards. That got him the booking in the end, all three of them. Um all three of them booked. Um yeah. Nice flashpoint though. Got the crowd going. That was, exactly. That was, that was the best part of it all. I'm I'm here for it, as the kids say. Stuart, your take on this? You always talk about the dark arts. Was this a bit of dark arts, a bit of shithousery from uh, from Danny Cowley? Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he, <clears throat> you could tell when he came in to do his post match. There was a wry smile on his face. I think he he enjoyed that point as he as he climbed up the steps to the podium. The first thing he said is, "Well." Last time I was here, I was, I was with Lincoln, wasn't I? Um, <laughs> just waiting for the prompt for someone to ask him how, how that went. And um, he knew what he was doing. He sort of, uh, you know, said, well, I couldn't get out of his way. But there was there was a glint in the eye. Uh, I think he, he he knew what he was doing. And and Thompson's reaction was just that of a, of a player that was frustrated, that I think mm. Ipswich players in general were frustrated that key players had gone off, that they were that they were dominating a game but struggling to create chances and, and that whole feeling within the team and the stadium was kind of probably summed up in, in Thompson's reaction. They're a team that's fighting, knows that their chances are slipping away a little bit, knows that things are going against them at the moment and that was probably all encapsulated in in that flashpoint. Mm. Mike, I'm going to round this off by asking you about this. When I put this um, incident out yesterday and said, what do we make of this? Absolute flood of response. Clearly people very interested in, in it. And a lot of those were saying that they, it, they were disappointed that McKenna apologised for Thompson. McKenna should have backed Thompson. Um, where do you stand on that? <laughs> well, I don't think he should have backed him. I think backing him is probably a little bit strong. Uh, there's, there's no need for apologise for Thompson. No need. Both the guys, look, I know Danny Cowley for his time in non-league at Braintree, so I've spoken to him, Danny, many times before he got in the pro game. Um, he's a passionate He's a passionate manager. I know he, he wound the Ipswich fans up, were certainly calling plenty of names come the end of the game in the last 20 minutes, Cowley this and Cowley that. But Danny Cowley is a very passionate and intelligent man. He, um, he, I would suggest he knew exactly what he was doing um, when when Thompson's going to take a quick throw and he's in his right back, whoever is not in position. Um, and as Stewie said, the wry smile would, would have, as he as he went to the as to the press, would have said it all. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a that, Thompson. I think, hey, fair credit to Thompson. He's trying to get on with the game. That's what you want from your town players. I get sick and tired of players who loiter around. They're nil nil. Come on, we need to win this game. Good, good for Thompson. You know, he's trying to get that ball. He's trying to get things moving. Cowley's basically peed him off, let's be honest, you know, and it's all kicked off. It was all handbags. So it's not that big a deal. Um, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to knock McKenna for a play. If he wants to, if he wants to apologise, that's up to him. I personally would not have apologised. There's nothing to apologise for. Um, Cowell knew exactly what he was doing. And Thompson was just cross and he wanted to get on with the game. And as Andy said, it's heat of battle. If, if you're a footballer and you're in, you know, you're sweating, you're, you're what, 60, 70 minutes in, you can, you're frustrated. You just want to get on with things. You don't need someone standing in your way for a throw and you just push them. Um, 
So I think both sides will feel they sort of like had a little win there. Portsmouth fans will be thrilled that Cowley peed us all off with what he did. And town fans should be quite proud of Thompson, really, that he wanted to get on with the game. And I know it's not clever pushing people around. I not accept that. But at least he was trying to get on with the game. And, and he because he wanted the three points and uh, Ipswich are very big on getting the ball moving again quickly. They McKenna doesn't want dead game time. He's very yeah. big on how 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 many minutes the ball is live for, and and it suits Ipswich to have the ball in play as long as possible with the way they dominate the ball and create chances. So you saw it the other week with with Chaplin taking a really quick free kick led to to a goal. Um, as soon as the ball's dead, he wants them to get on with it. And I think opponents are wising up to that, that you have to disrupt the rhythm of Ipswich Town. Um, and I think McKenna is that cool head on the sideline. If you allow yourself to get drawn into that, you've just eaten up into a few minutes. And you never truly get them back. We had four minutes at the end of this game. Um, you never truly get those those additional minutes. So I think he he's just the cool head that's required to remind the players, look, let's just, we stay cool. We, we conduct ourselves the right way. Just, just keep the ball alive and keep playing and, and beat them at beat them at football. Don't worry about all the nonsense, as Andy rightly says. I'd also suggest that that maybe Danny Cowley is bigging up the level of apology that he received from Kieran McKenna a little bit further than uh, than, than maybe was reality. I, I don't I don't think there's a desperate bid to uh, to apologise for Dominic Thompson. I think it's just McKenna, as you said, trying to calm the situation down as how do you, as possible. Yeah, yeah. calm it down, apologise, get the ball back in play. I don't think he's uh, he's desperately gone out of his way to um, to dig out uh, Dominic Thompson um, in that on that occasion. It's a good job Cowley didn't hit the floor, isn't it? Some players Thompson pushes them, they'd have done a, a triple backflip with Pike, and it would have properly kicked off. Anyway, excuse me. <clears throat> the other incident from the game, Hutchie, we have to talk about, of course. I don't know how much we have to talk about this, really, because it, it seems fairly clear to me. But Town should have won the game. They scored They scored a perfectly good goal. And you wrote a bit about why that goal should have stood. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's chat about that now. I don't think anyone here would argue that that goal shouldn't have stood. So so where, where do we stand on on this? And um, clearly, we I don't know how you feel about VAR. Most people, well, say, yeah, you, you hate VAR, don't you? You have to say, Oh, it's nonsense, ruining the game. I hate VAR. Um, but what did you make of this? I was gonna say, I don't know how far you want to go into this. It's mm. uh, we're, we're kind of standing on the edge of um, a 45 minute chat about the offside rule, or we can um, we can just say that, yeah, Kieran McKenna after the game said that if if VAR was was in this league and in this game, Ipswich would have won. That's it's all quite simple, really. Once you watch the replays back and you all you kind of you see what happened, I I can also understand why the officials didn't give it at the time because I, I thought that Wolfenden might have got something on the ball at the back post. So so everyone's seen this by now. Luke Wolfenden is standing offside, attacks the ball at the near post, actually at the far post. Sorry, actually doesn't touch it at all. Uh, an onside Cameron Burgess plays the ball back across goal to an onside Macaulay Bond, who puts it in. So the reason the it's reason actually a save. I didn't realise at the time the goalkeeper sort of set it's on on target from Burgess. I've only seen that back sort of on the on the replays, and then Bond turns in the rebound. But anyway, he, he comes from an onside position, and that could yeah. have been so that could have been so important as well for for Macaulay Bond in terms of ending the goal drought. Um, a goal literally handed to him, wins the game, confidence up. Stu, where do you stand on this? Would you like to see VAR further down the leagues? Uh, no, 
No, I'd rather take one of these from time time to time than have to be dealing with. We just talked about Ipswich not wanting to get the rhythm of games. I think VAR sucks the sucks the rhythm out of games with these long nonsense delays with referees coming over and, and whatnot. Um, it happens. It doesn't make it any less frustrating. But as Andy says, you, you can see why um, in real time the, the linesman on the far side thinks that Wolfenden's the person that sort of puts it back across the box because it's a long stretching leg from Burgess that gets it. But Wolfenden's the man that's really attacking it at the far post. Um, but you're right, such are the fine margins. Um, Bond scores, 1-0 win. They've beaten a they've beaten a top six rival. The renaissance of Macaulay Bond is, is starting from here and, and, and we're all feeling sort of much bigger about it. But... Um, it didn't stand. Can I just ask what run one thing by you as well? And my five observations thing. You know, seven. I have to do seven this weekend. Six. Yeah, you had six. No, six. You had six. Was it? Well, was it seven? You had eight the know. other day. You know, I have to do little subheadings for these mm-hmm. for these things. I nearly went with "Wish You Were Var." Doesn't work, does it? Love it. Mm-hmm. No. What are you trying wish, to say? Wish you, wish you were here. Absolutely yeah. doesn't Brackets work. It doesn't, does it? Oh, not, even, not even close, mate. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I'm <laughs> glad <laughs> I, I took it out in the end. It doesn't work. It would have been up there with Mike's no. um, Axa Do Nicely. Axa Do Nicely, exactly. You take the notes of my friend. You go for these little little idiosyncrasies, whatever the word is. You, keep, you pile them out, my friend. There's far too much of this dull nil-nil draw and honours even and all this sort of crap. We need headlines like this. That will do VAR or whatever you said it was. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean we just, anything. We just doesn't need, mean, we just doesn't need... matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's 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 thinking outside the box or outside right. the biscuit, as I would say. Thinking outside just to, the biscuit. Just to be clear to, to listeners slash viewers, um Axa Do Nicely was a was a huge front page of the Green and many years ago when the FA Cup was sponsored by AXA and Ipswich won an FA Cup game. And and the headline was AXA Do Nicely. Which um, I think you decided was a play on words for that'll do nicely. Yes. Doesn't work, does it? Because it was sponsored work. by AXA. It was sponsored by AXA that year. The yeah, FA but AXA Cup. and that'll. That you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't put Emirates will do nicely, would you? <laughs> I, I, I might do. Yes, you wouldn't. I might do. I mean, I thought AXA do nicely. We beat Tranmere away in the FA Cup in Jan. It said, and I, the headline was a beauty AXA do nicely. That will do nicely. I like, I like it. I'm here for it. Uh, Mike, also, obviously, you may know Mike from other such headlines as Curry Stings the R's. Yes. Um, I mean, well, that's that, a good that, one. That works. That works. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I also remember one you, you, you threw away, Mike, if I, if I don't mind uh, saying, on um, the, the, the Sudbury Mercury, the dear old Sudbury Mercury. I remember once there was oh, yes. a headline, Yiga Bomb, because one of their players called Yiga scored a spectacular goal. And there we go. We had Yiga Bomb. Um, Yiga bomb sinks whoever they play. Yeah. Absolutely, mm. uh, nothing will ever touch the, the super Cali go ballistic Celtic were atrocious though, will it, boys? As, as a sports headline, that is the gold standard. Right then, that's the game talked about, boys. Is there anything? Um, any other notes from post game? Anything else to discuss? Hutch, I'm going to start with you. Anything else you want to pass judgment on? Mention in in dispatches? Um, can I say no? I think. You, yeah, absolutely. You can I, say I mean. No. <laughs> I don't really want to start to start talking about the offside law and, and VAR. <laughs> if uh, Let's I've, not do got, it. I've probably got more to offer in that sense, but I don't think I want to. 
if I'm honest. Um, no. That's what you have to do, though, isn't it? Any, anytime anyone mentions VAR, you have to go, oh, it's ruining the game. Hate it. Um, I mean, I don't that? like I don't like it, but that's, yeah. that's as much as I'm willing to give you on that. On that. There are lots of lots of very nuanced reasons why I don't like it, but um, we'll leave that for another day. Yeah, I'm not sure today is a day for nuance. It's not the day. Watto, give us some give us some final thoughts on Ipswich Town nil, Pompey nil. Um, Eleven clean sheets in fifteen. Oh good, yes, isn't it? yeah. That's, I've had that's a, quite quite good. We've had a submission, by the way. You know, I was talking about names for the uh, the back line. We've had a few suggestions. I think my favourite though, Ross Wishart, has come up with. Um, they should be called the utility room because you've got the fridge, obviously Edmonton out. Cameron is now the freezer, Burgess. And you've also got Christian, the washing machine, Walton, who keeps sheets clean. Um, what, Jack, what, what kitchen appliances, Janoy? He doesn't go into that, but I reckon we can have him as the dryer. Or the um, dishwasher. Or the dishwasser, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a Wolfen that I'm not entirely sure how he fits in, but I just like the, I just like the name, the utility room. As a, as a, it sounds to me like a solid defensive unit. What's the most laid back kind of kitchen appliance? Just casual, just gets the job done. No, no frills, no fuss. Probably a kettle. I'd have thought in it. Microwave. The microwave. Toaster. The microwave. Yeah. 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 Nice. That, that, yeah. The kettle. You are just pressing one little button and it does mm. it all. Just yeah. Very casual with the kettle. Mm. Casual kettle. kettle. I think microwave might work. Luke, the microwave Wolfenden. You've got the W in there, you see. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll work the on that. The kettle but... doesn't work because he never boils. So, you exactly. can't, he's, he can't He can't be the kettle, can he? He's, he's a bad kettle. Mike, any other notes from the game? You you, you were there? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, and uh, you know, I was just, obviously, the, the, you know, as, as Stu rightly said, Bond taps that in. The ref doesn't put his flag up. And we all go away singing and dancing. What a day. What a day. 25,500. A great atmosphere. I mean, you know, we, we sometimes you forget we're in League One. This is extraordinary. I've been following town since the 19, blah, 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 you know. And, you know, I can go back to tying in the championship or Division One, the old Division One, with crowds of twelve and 13,000. That's not that long ago, you know. So... It's 25. The Ipswich fans are incredible. And I, I keep saying it, but I, and I will keep saying it because it's extraordinary. The level of support, Pompey made it great. I mean, it reminded me a bit of Leeds a couple of years ago. And Leeds came three or four years ago. It was a great atmosphere. Leeds had half the East End. And um, and it, just a good atmosphere. It just It's just so bloody frustrating that this season's now starting now, you know, because you just sense if this was, if we were in the top six now, and you know, and gunning for at least well, guaranteed almost a playoff and gunning for the top two. This would just be one hell of a... It's, it's good anyway, but just tad frustrating, but a great atmosphere. Yeah, that's, that's what we've been talking about for a few <laughs> weeks, isn't it? The two yeah. the two narratives at, at play. Ipswich Town is clearly in a really good good place, going in the right direction with a manager that's, that's got them playing really well, players that have 100% bought into it. Fans have certainly bought into it. And you, you can't not feel positive about where the club is going but we're talking about this season and making the playoffs and that's where the that's where the frustration is so that there's two there's two narratives at play one of them hugely hugely positive and but the short term one um you can't kind of dress up that that this was a blow to what they what they're trying to do it's mad isn't it they could they could finish the season with McKenna having overseen two points a game which which is automatic promotion form and that still might not be enough I think if they finish with two points a game, it takes them to 74, 74, 75, depending sort of roughly what what they get over these next few games. That 
I think only once in the last 20 years has that not been enough. This might be one of the years why it's not been enough because everyone else keeps winning. Mm. Um, and the game's in hand. I mean, Mike said it's in their hands. It's it's not in their hands, I'm afraid, Mike, because everyone else has got games in hands mm. as well. They could win every game and still not and still not do it. That's the scenario that we're in at the, at the moment. But um, yeah, that, sh- that shouldn't dampen the the, uh, the optimism for, for the longer term. But we were just hoping, weren't we, that, that there might be a grandstand finish. But that, that's that's looking less likely at the moment. But it's still alive and I want to talk about it in a minute. But um, first of all, Mike, as you mentioned, the, the good old days, you cover in town for far too many years, um, more than you'd like to, to mention and indeed do ever mention. Um, but one of our latest reviews, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, by the way, helps us greatly visibility-wise in the charts. Says, good to have Mike Bacon on board, mm. bringing memories of the Robson era back to us older supporters. So there you go. Well, absolutely. And I mean, yes, I mean, obviously, I've been lucky to see all the great times. But, you know, I I think keep talking about the old times, all well and good. The history is fantastic. But people on these podcasts want to talk about here and now a bit more. One thing I will say, just as a final sort of, McKenna is coaching this team. This is the first Ipswich team I've seen for quite a few years that looks like it's really being coached. Not just not not the rah rah. Make sure you win your second ball, win your first tackle, win the. It's just play football, and and he, they, he's really coaching them, and I think that is a huge plus and something we haven't seen for a little while. And um, yeah, I think the future is is bright. It's just as we say, it's a shame it's not this season. Mm. Right then, let's have this chat. We have to have this chat every week, but um, I want to put a more definitive spin on it this week. Andy, the eight games left. Town have got sixty points. We said seventy five points generally gets them in. So if she if she says they get two points a game, they'll end up with with seventy six from this point. Um, can they do it? Will they do it? Your thoughts, please. I want a definitive yes or no. Can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? I I think I've said I've, I felt the same the whole way along. I think no. I think I don't think I don't think they will. Um, if you want a definitive yes or no, it will have to be a have to be a no from me at at, at this point. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not a huge amount to be positive about. We talked about this a little while ago. I can't. I can never remember if Stu and I talk about this with a microphone on or off. But I, I said they'd finish eighth. <laughs> that, I, it might be. I, it might have been on a podcast. Might not. It's, it's hard to tell sometimes, isn't it? What you've actually, what you've actually said, and, and where you've said it, and whether it's been broadcast or not. Um, but I, you know, you mentioned these these chats you have in the car on long journeys with you and Stu. I think we should start offering those um, to listeners. So, yeah. We might have to, bl- yeah. Some there might have to be some censoring <laughs> late nights in certain, yeah. certain areas of, of them, but but yeah, I, honestly, our best our best football conversations with each other are undoubtedly in the Honda Jazz because yeah. uh, they're fresh. I want to give the people this insight, uh, Mike. Yes or no? Eight games left. It's which town they can still do it. Are they going to do it? If they beaten Pompey, I'd have said yes, but I'm going to say no. I'm afraid, sadly. I don't think they will now. I think that was a that was a chance missed, and I think they know it. Of course, they still can. Yes, of course they can. They still can do it. But um, you've got to beat teams. As Stu said, you've got to beat teams like Pomp. You've got to beat the top teams. Mm. Okay, and they've, got two, and they've still got too many top teams to play as well. Um, so that's two no's. I've, I've saved you to last you because you undoubtedly are going to give the longest answer to this because um, you're going to show you're working out. Yes or no? Are Town going to get into the playoffs? No. Hey, you've done that on purpose, you bastard. 
Shall we talk then by way of moving on? We've often talked about things that Kieran McKenna is changing at Ipswich Town and ticking off as we go, you know, things that we've not really seen in the, in the 10 plus years, Stewie, that we've been involved covering Ipswich Town. This team are doing things that aren't Ipswich Town-like um, and they're, 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 they're going through ticking things off. But the one thing that they've still not really done, which you touched on earlier, Stewie, is, is beat top teams. I refer to them competing with top teams, which they are doing um, a few pods ago, but they're still not beating them. I mean, if you look at that run of, of McKenna's, these 15 games, what, what's his best win? I suppose you'd say Wickham, would you, in that run of games uh, in terms of rivals? So it's just how concerned are we about this, this thing that towns still have about them, regardless of manager, they can't win big games. It's been a I'm theme not... since relegation, hasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, sorry. No, you go, mate. No, go on. <laughs> no, after you. Um, I'm not concerned about it. I'm not concerned about it at this point. I think it might be what ultimate we will we'll look back on 21, 22 season and see that they didn't do it enough. But mm. in terms of in terms of the future, I think they are capable of beating top teams. Um, so it's, I'm not sitting here now thinking that it's going to blight next season or mm. or anything like that. It's, Slowly turn, slowly turn yeah. it around. Yeah, of course they are. Of course they mm. are. Watto, your thoughts? Yeah, but it has it has to happen. I think we've seen that they're capable of doing it. Obviously, the, the nature of the wins against <clears throat> Wickham and Portsmouth away earlier in the season shows they can do it and they can do it well. I think hearing the way that opposition managers are talking about Ipswich Town at the moment tells you what everyone thinks of the direction this club is going in. Danny Cowley talking about them being super heavyweights of the division and Michael Appleton, by far and away the best team in the division. They're, they're all queuing up to talk about Ipswich. I think they all know that next year Ipswich are going are gonna to be a, a force to be reckoned with. But we thought that going in, into this season and we thought that going into previous seasons as well. So I take you back to the first point. Let's not Let's all not let's not fall into the trap of thinking that's it, we've cracked it, it's all heading in one way until I'd still like to see proof of uh, you know wins against Oxford and or Plymouth in the next couple of games, see if they can beat a Wigan or Rotherham over over the Easter weekend. That that would that would really be a, a statement, wouldn't it? So mm-hmm. um it, there's no getting away from it. It's something there's still it's still one of the narratives that still needs to be needs to be changed. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, by way of finishing this week, I thought we'd. Um, there's a couple of things that are kind of loosely football sport related that I thought would be good to talk about. I shared on Twitter yesterday a tremendous thread um, about footballers who don't really like football, successful professional footballers who, who don't really enjoy the game. Um, David Batty was one of them. Says he since he's retired, he hasn't watched a game and he can't understand why anyone would pay to watch a game of football. Um, so I thought, boys, by way of a conversation, I know Mike's on the pod today. Um, Clearly, we all love our job. We're, it's nonsense that we get paid for what we do. Um, but if if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? Mike, I'm going to start with you. We know you're already a published author, a man of many talents and four bathrooms, four ensuite bathrooms. If you weren't a journalist, which you've been most of your life, um, what would you be doing? I would be a solicitor. Because I would like to stand in court. I would love to be or, or lawyer, stand in court with them things on your head and, and be addressing people and, and making really posh statements and, and staring at juries and, and just 
you know, like like Tom Cruise, you know, Tom so you... Cruise in the, <laughs> in the in always Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, because you know, in a you know, what's it called? A few good, what's it? A few good a few men. Good, a few good men, yeah. A few good men. What a what a courtroom drama. That's my job. I'd love to have Nicholson or someone like in front of me. Go on, say code red, say code red, or whatever he is, or whatever he did in that, and he gets himself. And the, the, I mean, how does that feel? It must be fantastic. It's almost like a Nipswich Witcher's last heat winner, or a, a Macaulay Bond twenty-five yarder. You know, getting Nicholson to say that at the end of your lawyer. I so I would love to be a lawyer. I'd have, I'd love to. Fantastic. That's what I'd love to be. I'm not clever enough, but it doesn't matter. I'd have had a go. <laughs> I see you being a bit more Judge Rinder than few good men. <laughs> the way you talk about it, would you be better off kind of pointing yourself towards being maybe possibly an actor? Who yeah. Could then, you could, well, you could then play these parts because you've not mentioned kind of justice, anything in there, kind of like helping, like helping people, like in in their in their struggles in court or anything like that. That doesn't seem to be a motivation. It's more kind of the image side of it. You could maybe you could maybe do that in Hollywood. The wig and the drama, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't, I, yes, oh, yes, I haven't really got much scruples over why I'm there. I mean, I'm just literally there because, yes, I'd like to make a scene. I'd like to make yeah. a scene and a, and, a, and a big noise. Yes, perhaps, perhaps an actor. I'd like to be better as an actor, but an actor who plays a lawyer all the time. Have you ever, have you ever been to court, Mike? Have you ever actually seen justice in action? Well, I have actually, yes. When I was on yeah. a journalistic course, I went to Lewis Crown Court many times, but I found it all rather dull, to be honest, because it wasn't the old <laughs> it wasn't the old Bailey with um with and it certainly wasn't like Tom Cruise's in a few good men. That that's a brilliant court drama. But um yeah, yeah Lewis Lewis Crown Court wasn't like that. I will but, say, as a veteran of, of many years of news reporting and covering some big cases, seeing a top barrister in full flow in court is one of the most impressive things you can ever see. And there is a lot of theat theatrical kind of performance side about it so um i can understand that i think you'd be probably a, a defense barrister mike because they're the ones that yeah that make the most money and and you know you could argue have have fewer scruples so um that that's where i'd see you be like mr loophole getting celebrities yeah. off, of, <laughs> off of driving bands <laughs> exactly exactly and i would love to see you in that little wig they wear mike i think you'd yeah and, and, and strut, strutting out of the courtroom with 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 some celebrity on your arm because you've just got him off a dui or whatever they call it in america and yeah. um, sort of things and just just waving to the crowd and you know they're just you know it'd be all about me obviously <laughs> and, and, <laughs> jumping in my lincoln jumping in my lincoln and going and going home you know it'd just be so, I think I think you want to be a you want to be a, a lawyer in America by the sound. Yes. Well, <laughs> have you read have you read Michael Connolly's The Lincoln Lawyer? What a and I've seen the film. The film yes. I mean, I, I love all that sort of stuff. That's that's me. So are we to expect a legal thriller coming from the uh, the pen of Mike Bacon soon? Yes, you will. Excellent. I think that's that. Yes. Excellent. A legal thriller is, is certainly what's what's on the cards shortly. So we've drilled down into that. Mike doesn't want to be a solicitor, doesn't want to be a barrister. What he wants to be is a fictional lawyer in America. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, if you weren't a journalist and you've been a journalist for, for some time, what would you what would you be doing? So when when I was going through the careers process at school, they did this these weird little tests. Did you have to do these? That so you just filled in these questionnaires and mm -hmm. at the end of it, it chucks out chucks out a job for you. Um, mine was perfect. Trout farmer. <laughs> how is that how is that even an option no idea that of all the of all the boxes i ticked and i went through and answered all the questions that the thing chucked out trout farmer and i had to sit down i remember it very vividly sitting down with my form tutor in, in year 10 or whatever it was at school and she explained to me yep you're andrew yep your your questionnaire has come back and it's um trout farmer so uh wow. i'd probably just follow I, I should have followed that really from 
from that you, point. How did you get to that answer? Have I don't you, know. You said that you really like fish. You enjoy the there, water. There were no I mean... fish. There were no fish-based questions in the in the in the thing. But that's what it. That's what it told me I should do. And most days, I think I should have probably followed followed that. I have been to a trout farm. I used to live quite near one in Wiltshire. Um, the people working there looked like they were having a, a great time. So either that or something to do with the police. Yes. Now you were genuinely toying up the idea of being a detective at one point, weren't you? I'm right. Yeah. Still, still am mate. These, they, they launched, um, like civilian, they, they, they fairly recently, there was like a, a search for some civilian, like civilian detectives trying to bring some outside skills yeah. into, into the police service from not, not kind of like academy grown. They didn't want homegrown anymore. They wanted some some chiselled veterans with different <laughs> skills to come into the police services. Didn't have to have any kind of background in policing. And I, um, yeah, still something I might do. So, what, if I what saw... kind of detective are we talking about? Are we talking about a Mike fictional American style detective who's, who's throwing people downstairs? Are you talking <laughs> no. about a very kind of serious forensic style detective? What kind of detective well, would you want to do? Well, I th- I think Suffolk Police who put that advert out and myself would have fairly different ideas of what someone in that job role might actually be doing um but i could see myself as being the kind of person that could have lots of pictures of people and maps and string up on a wall and connecting stuff and working stuff out and um kind of maybe going down alleys that not not literal but going down alleys that the others wouldn't go down and um Crack it, cracking the case in a in an unusual way. That would you'd be have to, you have to be a be maverick. Me. You have to be a maverick, don't you? And, and actually, in this alternate universe we're crafting here, you and Mike could well cross paths. Yes, you've yeah, you've, we could. Arre- you've arrested the perp. You've got him yeah. charged, and Mike is now defending him. Unbelievable! Oh, uh, I, would take, I would take you to the cleaners. <laughs> I would take you to the cleaners in court. I can tell you that right now, Hutch. I would take you <laughs> to the cleaners. <laughs> Mate, I'd see. I'd see you as the kind of the maybe the dodgy lawyer that I'm actually looking into on the side that <laughs> yeah. um, you don't know you're being investigated, but you are. And I assume um, Luke Chambers, fictional detective duo, Luke Chambers and Cole Scoos are in- involved in this kind of um, this yeah. world that we're discussing. Yeah. We'll stick them in as well. That's my, uh, that's going to be my offering to the literary world at some point. So uh, yeah, that's me trout farmer or, or detective. I quite like the idea of, you know, when you go to Scotland, you drive alongside the big locks and you see all the salmon farms. That must be quite a nice, Mm. I mean, it seems quite idyllic to me to have that as a career. Um, So Um, we've got... Sorry. Yeah. I need to think of a new name for detective. I think Hutch is already taken, I believe, in the world of kind of detective and crime fighting. Yeah. As as far as I'm led to believe. Um, I'd have to come up with something else. Maybe Andy. (laughs) Controversial. Use your actual name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Stewie, we've got we've had uh, fictional American ba- uh, lawyer, we've had trout farmer or detective, which is a, a brilliantly eclectic mix so far. Um, what would you be? Um, <clears throat> it was very early on that I'd kind of decided to go down the media, journalism, sports route. So you're going back to quite a young age when I was chucking around sort of <laughs> career ideas. Um, before that, uh, one of which was moved to Denmark and build Lego for a living. <laughs> um, gives you an idea of, of how far back we're going. I, I knew that Denmark was the home of Lego. 
and that was it. I was, I was going to up sticks and go there. Very, very serious ambition that was at one stage. Um, then I got very much into space, and I, then I was going to be involved in, in with NASA in in some way. I would probably have said spaceman when I was filling out those little books where you said what what am I going to be in the future? But um, yeah, they they were sort of two options growing up. The reality is, I'd have, I'd have probably followed my dad and just been a boring accountant to fit with mm. my boring persona and boring voice. <laughs> um, I, I like I like I like to explore the concept of astronaut Watson a bit more. Um, I'd like I like, to... I like I like the way he called himself spaceman. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you mean astronaut? Um, I mean astronaut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Hutchie's filling in something at school that says he's going to be a trout farmer. And, and then you fill in something that says astronaut. Fantastic. Um, where would you most like to go in, in space, Stu? <laughs> well, there's a question. Uh, to infinity just, and beyond. Exactly. <laughs> I hadn't really thought that far ahead, to be honest. Well, think now. Other galaxies and that. Yeah. Explore yeah. The, the very the very fabric of space yeah, and Most time. people go, oh, Mars. No, further. <laughs> Have the you final got your frontier? Have you got yourself uh, a telescope yet? Because we talked about this years ago, about when no. um, when I was first getting into it as well. You said I haven't got a telescope. The, the Watson Observatory is not up and running yet. Unbelievable. Uh, no, it's no, it's not. No, it's one of those things that I've, I've spoken a lot about, but done absolutely nothing about. Okay, fair enough. Um, that is your want, the the Watson trait. Um, in, in terms of myself, friends, just by by um, finishing off this circle. Uh, when I was a kid, obviously, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Turned out I wasn't athletic enough. Um, I then wanted to be a performer, a dancer. Um, I've got numerous, well, I say numerous, I've got a few awards for dancing from my from my youth, um, which you'd never believe if you see me now dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, not good at all. Uh, and I think now, sorry, Hutchie, you want to jump in? I can see I've got some, oh, mate, I've got some questions. <laughs> um, can we Can we hit these questions now? Go Talk to it. me more. What kind of dance? It was, it was, I guess you'd call it freestyle dance. Um, <laughs> freestyle? Were these real awards or, or did they come no, from, these, from these your are, parents? No, no, these are real awards. We used to have uh, competitions uh, at school, um, which me and a mate of mine used to win all the time. Um, because essentially, when I was young, I could do the splits. Um, I, and thus, a large part of my dance routine would involve me doing the splits about 400 times, um, which was quite impressive. Can't get anywhere near it now. I can't believe I could ever do it. Anyway. So that was that. And then um, I think now, as I get older, I'd quite like to be a historian. Not a not a fusty, um, padded, elbow pads on jacket historian. More of a kind of Indiana Jones style um, historian. Uh, I, yeah, that, that would be me. As I get older, without getting too serious about this, I get more and more interested in history and learning about what's already been uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there we go. That was, that was enjoyable. So we've got, we've got Indiana Jones um slash uh michael flatley uh we've got we've, we've got into the same stuff of mike there you don't want to be a historian do you you want to be an actor yeah. that no plays, uh, whatever, whatever, Indiana I, want, Jones. Yeah, whatever yeah. I want to do has to involve adventure um so did you did, did, did you used to do that did you just spin spin on your backside just spin around in circles no, with your legs in the air that's wasn't sort of wasn't wasn't a break dancer I was, a, no. I was a split i was a a moonwalk i was a um a running man that was very much my kind of genre of dance um <laughs> could you fuse the two of these and become you know when like 
those exciting days at school when you have outside people coming in to try and teach you how to cross the road or not to smoke. Yeah. Like you could you could come in and be like the dancing historian who like gets people really <laughs> yeah. really into like fossils and that by yeah. interpretive dance. History can be cool. <laughs> Look at this. I think I can, that... I can almost do the splits. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I was going to be a proper historian, my 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 speciality would be would be military, like wars and that. So I don't know how that would that would mesh up with dancing and, and scaring kids, firing guns and and that kind of stuff. Just got a vision of you trying to do the splits and just tearing your grin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark needs someone to help him up now, kids. <laughs> did you did and... you guys ever have like we had some prisoners come in from a local prison to like that was odd. They came in. And they had like all their weapons that like what like yeah in prison we just fill this sock full of batteries and hit each other with them. <laughs> and, like yeah in prison you might find that someone's put two razor blades inside your toothbrush or that it was called the electric sock by the way if you put the nice. batteries in the sock or by put the yeah basically they put Did the you... balls from the pool table in a sock and you might get hit with that if you go to prison as well. So don't go to prison like me. Did you go to a really rough school, Hutch? Is this done. like like a careers thing? This is this is your potential future. Get some advice now. I don't. I, I thought my school was quite good. Coppleton High School in Ipswich, loved it. But um, I, I remember it vividly. They came in. We were in like the dance studio, which is probably you'd have enjoyed it in there, Mark. Uh, our school. Um, and they they did all sorts. Like he, the bloke stood up and he's like, "Yeah." And they and the guy that brought them in, I said, "So why why have you gone to prison?" And this guy went. I'd done a murder, and then and then and then he then he kind of talked us through like the bad stuff that can happen to you in prison. I guess it was part of their rehabilitation, but it, yeah. it definitely meant that I left that session. Wow, definitely wanting to be a trout farmer rather than going down, <laughs> going down the life of crime. Do you remember there was a, a th- was there a thing at your schools called Crucial Crew? I've mentioned this to Andy loads of times. Yeah. It's very similar to what you're dis- discussing, sort of arty farty types that came in and, t- and taught you how you told you not to smoke etc but i remember we went mm. on a school trip once and uh they under the guise of oh go off and wander around this derelict castle and explore and, and come back in an hour and then some actors unbeknownst to the children they were actors would come up and, and ask if you wanted to buy some drugs and then afterwards you would you would see how sort of whether whether you dealt with it the right way i think yes I think various you say yes of, i think yeah i think <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer might have been how much. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, crucial crew. That's a head. We on the, going back to headlines, Mike. Uh, your headline. We've we've talked about using that. We were hoping that the second to last game of the season at Crew would indeed be crucial crew uh, for oh. town. But um, alas, we were Blues negative. Cruise. Blues Cruise is what I used once. We've beaten three 0 Blues Cruise. C R U I S E. Excellent. Friends, I, my only regret about this podcast is we spent the first half hour talking about football because um, the last 20 minutes has been some of the most fun I've ever had uh, and, and could could be a standalone show on its own. Um, I did have a second question, but I'm not going to ask it because I think that would sully what's come before because that was that was extraordinary uh, audio and visual. I hope the, I hope the listeners agree. What would make it better visual is if if maybe the outro involved you moonwalking off screen. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on, I'm on carpet here, mate. It's not going to work on carpet. Um, Just anyway. do the splits then. Yeah. 
I would I would permanently damage myself if I attempted the splits now. Um, I, I generally can't believe I used to be able to do it. Anyway, friends, um, anything else to mention? I, I say as as we uh, as we look to wrap up uh, this week. Um, My, no, I, I lost half a million pounds on million oh, pound cool. picks. Oh no, <laughs> which means I might have to turn to a life of crime and trout. <laughs> what was your? I can't remember what your bet was. Now both teams to score, Morsi to score. None of those things happened. Not so even one you, of the teams scored. You're all the way down to 500 grand again. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, no. Well, you've got eight games left to get that back. Um, Stewie, Mike, anything to mention before we take our leave from what's been a, a most enjoyable Monday podcast? Uh, no, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all fine. I'm just going to go just check on Roger and uh, but uh, the builder. But uh, apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> check We've on Roger. Dis- We've got a lot to discuss. I thought that was a euphemism. <laughs> check on Roger. <laughs> Uh, Watto, anything to mention? Space Boy? Uh, no other business. <laughs> Superb. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, friends. A little peek inside uh, our lives and what we could have been in an alternate universe. Um, I certainly enjoyed it. I feel like we've got to know each other quite a lot better now. Um, please do support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code carry at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. And also um, follow us across all our social media at Kings of Anger on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There's plenty to look forward to um, coming later this week. Obviously, Ross will be back with a special Tractor Girls talk building up to that quarterfinal on Sunday against West Ham. We'll be back later this week as well, um, building up to the Oxford away trip, which is massive, huge, monumental game for town. We've learned so much today, friends. We've learned that town still can't beat big teams. We've learned that Mike wants to be a fictional American lawyer. We've learned that Hutchie should have been a trout farmer and knows what an electric sock is. And we'll learn that Stewie wants to go into space. Um, Have a great start to the week and we'll catch you next time. Well, well.